the steering team, and I cannot tell you how much fun it is to have meetings with Bill and Brantley. Uh, it is, uh, I just wish I could get a little tape and let y'all listen because it's, it's really a hoot. And so I appreciate those guys, them sharing today. But as you know, we are involved in a new series of messages this month called Building on Faith, Giving, and Joy. And showed y'all the pictures earlier of what we're looking to do. And y'all, just to let you know, we are not, we are not building something just because we think it'll be cool to build another building. Uh, we are building out of necessity. And we really believe that God has blessed us so richly, so greatly, that it is our responsibility to respond to what God has done for us. And so I'm, I'm excited about this, but we are going through a series of messages this, uh, the rest of this month and when the very, uh, very first Sunday in December talking about uh, why we're doing this. And we are doing this ultimately for our young people, for our youth, and for our children. That is the focus of this campaign, is to provide for them. Now, I'm going to try to segue into a little story here. It doesn't really fit too well, but y'all just act like it does. Uh, there is a story about uh, Dan Rather, who is a CBS former anchor, and he was talking about whenever he had to go speak at a convention in front of about 3,000 people. And his plane was late. He rushed to the hotel, just had time to change his clothes, ran onto the elevator to go down to the lobby to go to the convention center to speak. And he said whenever he was in a rush, he he ran onto the elevator. He said, of course, it was jam-packed with people. And he squeezed in there, and he said as he was standing there, everybody on the elevator was staring at him. And he said, you know, I just knew it was because they figured out who I was. And he said, I wanted to tell them, just turn around and leave me alone. He said, I didn't say anything. I just sat there. He said, but they kept turning around looking at me with this weird look. And he said, finally, when they got down to the first floor, everybody filed off of the elevator He's by himself. One lady stayed behind. She walked over and she gently tugged on his arm. And she said, Mr. Rather, I just wanted to let you know that your fly is open and that your shirt tail is sticking through it. Now, uh, Rather was speaking on professionalism and journalism. And he said, can you imagine had I stood in front of 3,000 people talking to them them about how to be a professional and having my shirt tail sticking out through my fly? Doesn't look very good. Now, when I listened to that story, I just automatically thought, because I am the parent of three children, I thought, that right there is why children need parents. You know, we are, we are here, I mean, not to keep them from, you know, well, actually, that's probably part of the job, to help them zip up their pants. But we are here in order to teach them, you know, to teach them to keep them from doing things, you know, that we have done ourselves, that are not smart, uh, that are not very wise, so that we can keep them on the right track. Now, Village Church is here, and parents are here, in order to teach our children about the things of God, so that we can help them be on the right path in life, knowing that God has a plan for their lives. And that's one of the great things to discover when you look in Scripture, that God has a plan for your life. Now, the question is, how do we do it? What is our job? Today, we are going to see that one of the purposes of our church, one of the purposes of parents, is to build our children for the future. To build up our children for the future when they're away from the home and they are living on their own. Uh, Bill Bennett is an author. He was on the, in, in the cabinet with, I believe, President Bush, maybe President Bush won. But he wrote a book a number of years ago called The Book of Virtues. Y'all remember that book? Might have heard of it. Well, just this year, he's come out with a new book called The Book of Man. 
And in the book, he talks about how, how men are really struggling with finding their place today. He said a lot of men, a lot of young men in particular, are just really don't know where they fit into society today because of a lot of different varying issues. He had a survey that's in the book where he talks about how uh, they, they had a survey where it said that men between 25 and 35 actually do more gaming than boys between the ages of 12 and 17. And I thought, that's just, sort of a, that's just sort of an odd thing, but the reason for it, he said one of the things that they've discovered is that these young men as they're coming up, they haven't found their place yet. And they just really don't know where they can plug their life in in order to, to really make a difference to where their life has meaning and purpose. And he says, so what happens is a lot of these young guys, younger men, or I guess you could say almost middle-aged men, they're, they're living in this fantasy world. And then they have no fulfillment and no joy in life. Now, I want you to know, that's not the kind of life that God has, that's not the kind of life that God has intended for his people. And that's why we look into scripture and we see that one of the responsibilities that we as parents have, that we as a church have, is to show our children the value of God. Because God has meaning and purpose for them. And whenever we teach them, we are actually teaching our children and building them up for the future. Now, how do we build our children up for the future? Today, I just want to share with you several ways, according to our text, of how we can build our children for the future. And the first way that we build our children for the future is to present to them the importance of God's Word. Now, if you have your Bible, we're going to look today in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse number 20, in the verses following. And so what we see in this text is we see a father who's giving instruction to his son about how to prepare his life for the future. And the very first instruction that he gives him is he says, you need to know the importance of Scripture, the importance of God's Word. And I'm going to read to you about this in verse number 20. Here's what the dad said. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. And health to a man's whole body. Now it's obvious when you you know you read these verses right here, the dad the dad wants his son to pay attention to what he's saying. Uh, parents, have y'all ever been in that situation before, where you really want your kids to pay attention? And if you do, it's it's interesting to me that the parents were just the same then as they are as they are today. If you look back in verse number twenty, he says, "Son, pay attention to me." Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've said that. Now, why did the dad want him to pay attention? Because he said, listen, I have words of wisdom for you. What were those words? Well, back in verses 11 and 12, this is what the dad says. He says, I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, he says, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. That says, pay attention to the words I have for you that keep you from stumbling in life. Words I have for you, they're going to keep you on a good path so that, so that you can live life with purpose. And then he goes on to talk later on about, about his son. He says, listen, I want you to avoid, he mentioned sexual sin. So I want you to stay away from that. And that's why the dad's telling him, pay attention to what I say. Because what I'm teaching you comes from God. Now, now why are God's words more important than you know, some of the stuff we come up with? Well, Have you all listened to some of the stuff you come up with? I mean, man, some of the stuff I've come up with is pretty bad. 
Let me tell you something. God, when he comes up with stuff, it is on solid ground. God's word is, man, it's, it's faithful, it's true, it's good for all time. Isaiah 48 is a, one of my favorite verses. It says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, I like it when I know that when, when somebody tells me something, I can hang on to that and say, yeah, I can take that to the bank. He, he's going to come through in what he says. I know that whenever so-and-so speaks, that, that his words are true. His words are golden every time. But you know whose words are, are only golden every time? It's God's. Now, what I've learned is that the instructions and the stuff that we come up with, they might sound good for a season, but after a period of time, a lot of the stuff we say, it's, we can't back it up for too long, or we, or we don't come through on everything that we say. Uh, we are involved in the political season right now, and I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what party I'm more closely aligned with and all that stuff. But, you know, we, we listen to these debates, and we listen to politicians talk, and I, I thank God for our politicians. Uh, it's a tough job, but I will say this. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of their mouth. Look back a year later and you think, well, they're not, they're not keeping their word. You know, you buy into it at the beginning and say, that sounds awesome. And then you look and see where we are today and you think, hey, what happened to those words? You know what happened to them? They weren't true. You know, people just don't, people don't follow through very well. And I'm, I'm, including, I'm including me as well. We have a hard time following through with our words. Even in the scientific community or the health industry, this is true. Y'all remember a few years ago, or it's been a number of years now, when they told us we shouldn't eat butter because it's bad for us? Y'all remember that? That They said you need to eat margarine. You know what they say today? Margarine's awful. Don't eat it. You need to eat butter. And so that's why I just never quit. You know, I just eat sticks of butter. Now, you see all that stuff, and you start thinking, gosh, I mean, even the scientific people can't get it right. So whose word can I trust? Whose word can I hang on to? And the writer of this text, it's a dad, he's saying, hang on to the words of God. And in verse 22, if you pay attention to the instructions of God, he said it will bring life and health to your body. Oh, what's that mean? That means if we follow the prescription of God's word, it will enhance your life and make it better. You know, one of the great things about God's word is it keeps you off, off a path of destruction. Keeps you away from sin. Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. The Bible is like medicine for the diseases that we face today. And some of the diseases we face today is, there's, I mean, gosh, we greed, lust, anger, wrath, bitterness, I mean, we can name a whole host of them. But the scripture teaches that as we live under the instructions of God, it will bring peace into your life. And it will change the way that you deal with other people. Jesus said in John 13, 35, he said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Can you imagine if we actually did what scripture taught? you imagine that? If we, if we really loved our enemies, if we really were faithful to what we said, if we were true to God's word, let me tell you something, it would change not just your home and not just the church, it would change this community. If we lived according to the instructions of God. 
Now, the writer of Hebrews knew of the great value that came with adhering to the Word of God. He said, unfortunately, what happens many times, especially when we're younger, is we don't recognize the value of these things. We just simply recognize the value of what we think is important. A number of years ago, there was on a game show, there was a mother that had her four-year-old son with her, and the, they, the son was going to get to participate in the game show. And so they said, you can't, they told the mom, you can't help your son. We're going to bring him up, and he gets to make a choice. And they had, what they did is they had 10 $100 bills on one side, and they had 1,000 pennies in a big pile on the next. And they told the son, you get to pick whichever one you want. Now, that little boy is four years old. When he went up there, he's sitting there. Nobody can help him out. And he's sitting there, and his eyes are totally fixated on that huge mound of pennies. And they said, which one do you want? He said, I want the pennies. Now, why did he pick the pennies? Because he did not know the value of what was before him. A lot of times, our young people, a lot of times us as we become older, we make bad choices in life because we don't understand the value of God's Word. We don't understand that, that in this life, that it's just not what we want and what we feel that's important, but eternity is literally hanging in the balance. And that's why the dad right here in our text, he's saying, pay attention. Well, listen to what I'm saying. If you're going to build your kids for the future, if this church is going to build our children, this community for the future, we have to teach them the importance of God's Word. Why are we going to build? We're going to build over there because we want to be able to house more and more young people so that we can build them for eternity. So that's the very first lesson that we have to teach our children. But another way we can build our children for the future is also to teach them the power of the heart. Teach them the power of the heart. Now, if you have your Bible, look in verse number, let's see, verse 23. And if you don't have this underlined, it's a great verse underlined. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 23.7 kind of falls into the importance of the heart here. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, he said, The good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, it says the mouth speaks. Now, now what's the lesson here? It is, it is pretty important that we teach our children that what they put into their minds and into their hearts eventually is going to make its way out into the way they live their lives. That's why we have to be careful about protecting the heart. You know, there's, we, have, you know, we have more access to stuff than we've ever had before. I'm at, I'm at, we have an Xbox at the house, and my, my son was showing me that, that, that Xbox Live. Did you know you can play like games with people that live like in, you know, like, uh, golly, where? Uh, Japan. I mean, I'm just like absolutely amazed. I'm like, hey, this is craziness. We have so much access to so many different things. We have social networking. You can, you can watch any movie that you want to. Uh, you can pull up with Netflix, and you can look up any movie you want to and watch it. There's just a lot of different activities that you can be, be involved in. Now, just because we have access to all different kinds of stuff doesn't mean that we necessarily need to take advantage of that. 
You know, last month we had uh, the State Fair, the Great State Fair of South Carolina. Now, for the adults here, um, what is the greatest thing about the State Fair? It is, it is the food. And uh, it is awesome. And uh, what some of the stuff they serve there, you know, you go to the State Fair and you could look out there. They had fried pickles, uh, elfin ears, it was awesome, cotton candy, uh, vinegar fries. You know, this year they had fried jello. Did y'all see that? That has got to be a sin. And so there's, but there's just a lot of stuff that you can get there. Now, just because, and some of you, I know, you went during lunch at work, you went to the State Fair, and you, you picked up lunch there. Now, if you imbibed in all of those things, now, just because you have access to them, if you imbibe them, does that mean it's good for you? Well, no. And if you did do that, how many of you were able to stay awake for the rest of your work day? And when you eat like that, it puts you into a coma. Now, that is what the writer or the dad here in our text is telling his son. He said, listen, if you go after all the stuff that you have access to in this world, it's going to put you into a spiritual coma. Our young people need to be taught the importance of protecting their heart, of watching out for what they put into their minds, because what we put into our minds eventually works its way out. And the way we live our lives. And the way that we handle ourselves and that we treat people. You want to be changed? You want to see your children changed? Village Church, we want to make a difference in the lives of young people? Then we have to start filling their hearts and their minds with the things of God. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 12.2, he said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, whenever we put God's word into our minds, it will direct us down the right path. Now, if we, if we do not apply God's word to our lives, if we're not going to pay attention to what it says, your path in life is going to become really foggy. And and you end up slipping off where God wants you to go. So you want to protect your heart. Plenty the Elder was a writer who lived during the days of of Christ. And uh, he had he's a historical figure, but he wrote the story about a king who wanted to raise an obelisk. Uh, which is I see, whenever I you know, whenever I saw that I was like, What in the world's an obelisk? It's the Washington Monument, basically, right? It's that thing, like that, and they want to raise it up. 99 feet tall. Uh, for them to raise that thing up, it was going to take 20,000 slaves to pull it up. The king wanted it up, and he knew that if they did not do a good job, if they weren't careful, that obelisk could fall over, and it would destroy years of work. And so the king wanted the engineer to pay special attention, you know, to do a really good job at getting the obelisk up. So what he did is he had the engineer's son strapped to the apex of the obelisk when they were raising it. Let me tell you something. That engineer did a great job. Now, why did he do a great job? Because his mind and his heart were focused on his task. Now, that's a little extreme, right? It's extreme. It worked. I'm thinking of some things that I could do. But uh, it, it was a very extreme way to get the attention of the man who was working. And let me tell you something. That shows you how important your heart and your mind are. When your heart and your mind are in the right place, I mean, you are focused and attention, uh, attentive to what God desires. That is what the father's trying to teach his sons. And son, pay attention. Protect your heart because it is the wellspring of life. 
And if you pay attention to it, God will bless you. So how do we build our kids for the future? Present to them the importance of God's word. You teach them the power of the heart. And it's the last thing I want you to see. Another way that we can build our kids for the future is to help them practice God's instruction in daily living. That's what we're to do as parents and as a church, to help people practice God's instruction in daily living. The final three verses I'll read, verse 25, it says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is where the dad gets into details here. He's already told them, hey, God's word is important. Pay attention to it. He tells them the importance of the heart. You've got to protect your heart. Because where your heart goes is where you go. But then he gives them the practical instruction. Well, how do we do that? And the very first thing that he tells his son is he tells him, keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze before you. In other words, don't let every little thing that comes across your path, he's like, don't let, allow everything just to grab your attention. Focus on what is important. Be focused. You know, it, it just, we have two schnauzers at our house. And those dogs, I'm still, I don't know why we have them, other than uh, uh, the, uh, Renee Royal made us get them. And so they're sweet dogs, Renee. We love them. We treat them well. Renee's very particular. I have to be careful or she will be angry with me. They're great dogs. We love them and care for them. But their attention span is like a gnat. And if you have schnauzers, you can take them outside. They're great little dogs. They will see a bird flying, and, man, they are gone. I mean, they just take off. They run off, and Emily and I just watch them. The kids start chasing after them, and I'm thinking, we're going to find out how smart they are. You know, they'll find their way back if God really wants us to have them. So every time... And dead gummit, they're smart dogs. They keep coming back. But uh, that, that, their attention span is tremendously short. Now, what we have to do is we have to help them practice. You know, we have to help them practice so they can stay on course, stay, stay on top of things. You don't want every little thing that comes by for you just to watch it and, and to be totally diverted. Now, we live in a time when there's so many things that are put before our eyes that can totally mess up our attention. I'm on the uh, board of trustees at our seminary. It's a great school. There's great people there. They did a survey. And I just want you to understand how rampant some of the stuff that's before our eyes is in our world today. One of them is the Internet, Internet pornography. They did a survey at the seminary where I'm on the board. Now, I'm not saying this is a bad school. It's not a bad school. It's great. This, I, I think it's indicative of everywhere else. Eighty percent of the students said at one time or another they've looked at Internet pornography. Eighty percent. Now, what's even more depressing than that? Now, that's depressing, but what was really surprising to me is 30% of them were women. Guys, we have to be careful about what we are putting before our eyes. You know, I know that another, another area in our lives that's so rampant that people are on There's some great things about social media. There's Facebook. I think it's kind of a cool thing. I've seen people on there you know, I haven't seen in years. But it has become a tool that has destroyed marriages. Absolutely crazy. And so what we have to do is we have to be careful ourselves and also teach our children. We need to be held accountable in those different areas of our lives. Some, some simple things that we can do is put filters on your computer concerning what you're looking at. Another thing is to share your password. Probably you know, with your spouse would be a good idea. Um, I've done that with, with Emily, and it's not because, not because you know, she doesn't trust me, but I said, you know what, I need to be held accountable. 
I think many of us need to do the same thing because we need to be careful about what we're putting before our eyes. Another practical application here is we're to make level paths for our feet and take only ways that are firm. Now, what does that mean? That's from our text. Take ways that are only firm. You know, there's a lot of things that come before us where we begin to ask questions. Is that, is that right or is that wrong? You know, is that good for me to do or not? You know, is that, you know, is that scriptural or can I like kind of slide under the radar? You know, it's, you know, it's kind of in the gray area. Whenever you have questions like that that come before you, here's my suggestion for you. And I believe this is a suggestion that dad's making to his son. Keep your feet on firm ground. You know, if, if you have questions about things, the best thing to do is just say, you know what, I'm just going to stick with Scripture on this. And know that what I am doing, the way that I am acting, I, I, I know that this decision I'm making, it, it's sticking with Scripture. It might be a gray area. I'm not real sure how, how it plays out, but I'm just going to stick to what I know. And why would we want to do that? Because when your feet are on firm ground, whenever the world begins to shake around us, and there are issues that come up that, that do shake us, but if our feet are on solid ground, we're going to stand firm. Stick to a firm path. Now, guys, you might say, well, what's so great about that? It gives you an anchor in life. If you go to the Smithsonian Institute up in D.C., one of the art museums up there, they have a humongous American flag that's there, flag from 1814. It's 42 feet by 30 feet. It is the flag that Francis Scott Key saw when he was in a boat during the Battle of you know, 1812 against the British. He looked up, saw the American flag flying, and y'all remember what he wrote? Star-Spangled Banner. Just a little American history test here. And so y'all did well. He wrote that. He said he saw it from 10 miles away. Think, how in the world could you see a flag from 10 miles away? The reason why is because the flag was so huge, but it was on a 189-foot-tall flagpole. Now, the big question was, how in the world was that flag able to fly without just snapping in the wind? Because it was so tall. In 1958, they discovered why. They found where the flag was, and they found underneath a nine-foot crossbeam that anchored that pole in the ground. Therefore, it was able to stand. Now, similarly for us, the cross of Christ provides a foundation by which our, our faith is rooted and supported. And the idea here is that as we keep our eyes focused on the instruction of God, as we plant our feet on solid ground, we can know that our lives will not break in the midst of the winds of force that come against us as we're living. Now, in the next few months, we're going we're gonna to begin the process of building. We're going to build right over here. Now, I just want to tell you something. We, everything we have in here, everything here is temporary. Did you all know that? 700 years from now, if God hadn't returned, my guess is, and they did, that Mashburn Construction did a good job, but I don't think it's going to be here after 700 years. You know, I think it's going to be gone. That's why we're, we're not investing really in buildings. We're investing in people. Because people are for an eternity. And we are building so that we can build our children for the future. And as we build over here, I want you to understand, this it's not about 
a facility. It is about the people that will fill that place. And we've been called by God to build people for a future. And the only future any of us have is in Jesus.